It is a great privilege for us to have this time to study the Word of God. It is a very great privilege that I have been blind to. Now, I say this because a long time ago, a while ago, I missed a study with you and oh, I pray that oh, by God's grace, this wouldn't happen again. Then it happened one more time. Then it happened the third time. Today, looking back, I'm like, my, each day we come together to study and we actually finish recording this podcast and studying the Bible and reasoning together. It is the Lord's doing. No, it's not that I have one perfect schedule that I don't break or things don't come up to just occupy my mind and all of that and i just realized each day each day now every day we have studied together it was just the doing of god that we could study without distractions and even the days that there were distractions it was minimal and it wasn't too lengthy so there is much there is much even as we study together there is much to give thanks to god for Hi, my name is Oluwa Femi and you are welcome to the Gospel Space. As promised, we, by God's grace, will continue to do a review of the last 20 chapters that we have read. We did the first review of from chapter 20 to back to chapter 1. And now we will be doing another review from chapter 40 back to chapter 21. And by God's grace, there will be no repeating of lessons that we must have covered in the past. The idea, the main purpose of this is for us to have fresh insight of the word. There is this song we sing that I know that we sing. There is this song I know. And the lyrics says, the words of God, they are new every morning. They are new. There is always something to take from the word of God. There's always something to take. And in this review, we would uh, touch on previous chapters. We will learn from God again. New, fresh-baked bread from heaven's bakery. I like you say, I like hearing that fresh-baked bread from heaven's bakery. Food that will fill us up. And that will not purge our stomach. And even if it does purge our stomach, oh, I pray it will purge out all the dirty things that we have held on to. I pray it will purge us clean. And we will have freshness, freshness, and sight, new insight on how to walk with our God. Let us have a word of prayer as we begin this review. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege to study. Thank you for always bringing us to thy feet to open your word and to seek thy knowledge, to seek understanding from your throne. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you daily impart, that you daily send to come and teach us, to come and open our eyes to understanding and to come and soften our heart to receive thy truth. We are very grateful. 
pardon us of our sins, pardon us of our ungratitude for these great things that you have been doing for us. Thank you for opening our eyes to your mercy, to your kindness and to your goodness towards us. As we study today, we plead again for your Holy Spirit to come and teach us, to come and open our eyes that we may learn more of you. Thank you, Father, for we have asked in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 21. The promised son is born. Now, since we aren't going to dwell too much and repeat or recap um, lessons we have learned before, except in cases that it is actually necessary that we actually recap on those lessons, we would just touch on every chapter to see exactly, exactly what is striking this time around that we are reading. Now, chapter 21, Genesis chapter 21, the new son is born. The promised son is born. The promised son, Isaac, is born. Now, what I would like us to take note of in chapter 21 is how God was very particular about him. For the sake of Abraham, because of the kind of relationship Abraham had with God, it extended the blessings to Ishmael. For Abraham's sake, God blessed Ishmael. And I noticed this thing of, oh, hey guy, I'm going to hack into your voice because of the son. It's, it's God was now, uh, God was now paying close attention to Agar, the mother of Ishmael, because of the promise he had declared to Abraham, his friend. That was very amazing to me. It was very amazing to me to study. Let's 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 read some of these things. Let's read some of these things. So she sat. This is Hagar. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. Listen. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him up with your hands for I will make him a great nation. So there's sending Agar and Ishmael from the, away from the presence of Abraham, away from Sarah, his wife, and the newborn, and the promised son, God did not leave Ishmael alone for the sake of Abraham. For the sake of Abraham, Ishmael was blessed. And why was that? Because when God, when Sarah told Abraham, Abraham, send these people away. Send them away. Oh, he was very reluctant. But God told him, hearken to the voice of thy wife. Send thy away. And he did. And for that reason, he then promised Abraham that this son you are sending away today, I will bless him. And he 
Ishmael will be a great nation. We will see we will see lessons like this as we go on. Lessons where people who find themselves in the midst of righteous men, righteous women of God, they they just enjoy the merits of just being in close contact with them. Isn't that amazing? Shouldn't this message, shouldn't this reality of God's blessings and favor upon certain people because of some certain people, isn't it fascinating? Shouldn't it push me? Shouldn't it push you to be careful of the people we put ourselves around? Shouldn't this open our eyes that we may pick wisely persons as companion, persons as friends? It is a lesson. It is a lesson. Now we go to chapter 22. Abraham's faith confirmed. Oh, this great test. This great test. We see here that there is nothing too precious for us to give to the Lord. Abraham was called to give his only begotten son. That's what the Bible calls him. He was called to give his only begotten that son that he and his wife Sarah waited for for over 50 years. He was called to give up that son as a sacrifice. Can you imagine how precious that son would have been in the eyes of Abraham? Most especially now that he had sent Ishmael away. Can you see how great a test this was? Now don't forget, Abraham at this point was well over a hundred years old when he was put to this test. So it was... He was not only as strong as he used to be physically, but I think emotionally now, he, it, it would be easy for any slight heartbreak or worry to send the man to his early grave. <laughs> Put it that way. We will send the man to his grave. But yet, Abraham was put through this test at this time of his life. At this delicate time of his life, there is no gift too precious to give to the Lord. No gift. And again, you see, you see how Abraham has, has raised that standard. He was willing to give up the life of that promised son. What is my excuse? What is your excuse? God today is not even requiring us to give up the life of someone. He's only seeking it. He is only looking to us giving up sin. It's only, he is only looking, pleading, desiring that we detest and let go of sin. Sin that is of no good to us. Sin that is of no benefit. But sadly, sadly, I, you, are holding on to that thing. And, and we are seeing 
an example of a patriarch who was willing to give up his son in obedience. Is there anything too precious to give up to for God? Is there anything too precious? Is there any habit you think, oh, no, I can't do this? Is there anything? Oh, no, I like fashion. I, I cannot give fashion up. I can't. I can't be looking like. Uh, what's this? What are these terms they used? They use for. Uh, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be looking or uh, make people know what they call me holy holy oh like I need money I need money I need to look bling bling are those things too precious to give up for God is the question looking that a standard has been set by this patriarch Abraham who was willing to give up his son now another thing I, I noticed is the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac is a prefigure of the Son of God. God sent his only begotten Son to die for us. Now, do you know what it is to kill someone that is innocent? The wages of sin is death. So whoever has committed sin ought to die which is justice we see the story of um, the sons of judah onan and a second brother Er, sorry Er and onan they died because they were wicked now that is justice but when one who has not sinned now dies then it's a problem Remember in Sodom and Gomorrah, the angel came and said, The blood of the martyrs, the blood of men cry out unto me. The blood of the innocent ones. They were crying out for justice. Now, the Son of God, who is not guilty of any sin whatsoever, was sent to die for me, and he was sent to die for you. The story of Isaac, it is a prefigure of the story of Christ. Now we move to Genesis chapter 20. And we have the, this death, the story of the death of Sarah, the mother of all nations. And yes, yes, it is a great privilege to have uh, the story of a burial ceremony chronicled in the book of <laughs> in the bible what a great privilege it is we go to chapter 24 a bride for isaac oh yes yes this is a beautiful story of which i believe by god's grace we dwelt much on it and we were able to get lessons lessons of how god is ever present to listen and attend to our prayers if they are according to his will. God told Abraham, don't get a wife, don't mix with the people of Canaan, go back home. Now on getting home, the servants and even Abraham before leaving prayed for God to guide him 
And since that prayer was according to the will of God, we should highlight that the prayer was according to the will of God. The prayer they prayed was a prayer of which God had instructed them. God had God instructed Abraham, do not mix with the Canaanites. Now the prayer of Abraham and his servants was, okay, we are not mixing with the Canaanites. We are going to go back to Haran. Now help us. Help us to obey. And we see how quickly the Lord obeyed. Now that is another lesson. That is another lesson. Our prayers must be according to God's will. Now, if our prayers must be according to God's will, it would now mean that before we pray, we must know and understand the will of God so that we will pray according to that will and He, being a faithful Father, will respond swiftly as He did to the servant of Abraham. Going to chapter 25, we see the story of Abraham and Keturah, the story of Abraham's death and his burial, we see the families of Ishmael and the families of Isaac. Now, the families of Isaac, the two sons of Isaac. It's This is a very, very interesting story. It's a very interesting story. Now, what extra lessons can we get from the story of the two sons of Isaac. On the part of Esau, we saw how Esau made his choice. He showed his true estimate of that of, of the thing he actually valued. He showed us what he regarded as sacrificed uh, as sacred and what he regarded as oh my utmost desire. Esau sold his birthright for temporal, for a temporal desire. Now, will anyone tell me Esau did not understand the privileges of the firstborn? Would anyone tell me he didn't understand that, oh, the firstborn is the one that gets possessions, is the one that gets the first blessings from the father? Are we going to say Esau didn't know that? He did. But he did not value it. Oh, he was very particular about now, 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 now. Oh, yeah, before me, let me, let me, let me enjoy now. That was what he, want, he wanted. That indulgence to meet his present desire. That was what he was after. That was the cause of his life. The cross this time is a C-O-U-R-S-E, not a P. That's the cause of his life. Now, Esau to us represents those who have sold heaven's glory for temporal earthly delights or gains. You see people who, they want to make it so much, so bad, that it will go against everything that is called righteous. Just for earthly gains. You know, this morning I was thinking of as as I was was it this morning or yesterday? Yesterday, as I was going through reviewing and putting things down in my notes for us to 
discuss today, I was thinking that man does so much to enjoy to the fullest on this earth. What is the age cap? After the flood, God gave man 120 years. Now, even today, that cap has dropped. It's not even up to 120 years. But you see man doing all his best to have all these earthly gains and doing away with what God calls righteous just for less than a hundred years. It was slapping as I thought of it. So with man we man has, has now forfeited eternity for hundred years. For hundred years. I was having a discussion with my mother and she made a statement. She said, Oh, I'm not putting it exactly how she put it, but the, my understanding of what she said is Oh, I remember what happened. Our son celebrated his 40-something birthday. Her son is over 40. And she was like, can you imagine this life? She cannot believe she has a son that is over 40 years old. Now, the 40 years that that son, that she has lived on this earth with that son, is like, is like just yesterday. Like, Omata Bilano is already 40-something. Do you understand? And thinking of that with this earthly gain, this desire for present pleasure, I'm like, oh yes, we enjoy it. And at the end, when someone is about to die, I was like, just yesterday, what, what did I do? See, all the messed up things I have done just to acquire earthly possessions. And today, I will my seatbelt and it's like it's nothing. I'm like, oh, God, help me to understand. Help me to teach people that there is nothing, there is nothing more important than eternity. Oh, it pays. It pays to be righteous. It pays to choose righteousness. For righteousness is life. It is life. Now we go to Genesis chapter 26. We have the story of Isaac and Abimelech. In Genesis chapter 26, what extra lesson is there for us to learn? Here we see the acts of disobedience exhibited in Esau, who brought much grief to his father and mother. It's very important that we note that what brought grief to their hearts was the act of disobedience that was what brought grief to their hearts yes i know you do know that from this story but i'm calling this out to make this statement this time around now their cause of grief was due to the act of disobedience of esau now that disobedience was disobedience to righteousness it was just no ordinary disobedience it was disobedience to righteousness there's a difference between being disobedient to a parent because they feel they can command you and being disobedient for right to righteousness there was a command given to abram which was surely passed down to isaac do not mix with the canaanites for they do not know god 
That was what was passed down. And Isaac did well to pass it to his children. But here we see Esau disregarding that command. Now, who was that command from? It wasn't just from Abraham. It was from God. Because it was God who instructed Abraham in the first place. So this disobedience was to God, not just the parent. Now, let us assume things were the other way around. Assuming the parents were pushing or were giving instructions to the children, that is Esau and Jacob, to disobey God and they disobeyed their parents, then that would be just. Because the disobedience to their parents now, it would be obedience to God. But no, reverse was the case in the sake of Esau. Esau was disobedient and he brought great grief to the heart of his parents. Now, we are going to chapter 37. We are going to chapter, sorry, chapter 27. Esau, uh, Jacob, Isaac, please follow me. Isaac blesses Jacob. Now, as I I read through the passage again, then something hits me and I feel like I should say something about it. In the blessings pronounced upon Esau. Now, in the blessings, Isaac said he will serve his younger brother. That's in verse 40 of chapter 27. He said Esau will serve his younger brother. Now, you know, we've, we've read down to verse 40. And we didn't read anywhere that so Isaac was uh, Esau was bowing down to Jacob and all of that. So it's it's now clicked in my mind that okay, okay, what does it mean that Esau will serve Jacob, the younger brother? Now my mind first went to the conception of the twin. There was a struggle in the belly of Rebecca, and the Lord told her, You have two nations within you you have two nations within you and the younger will rule over the older right that was the text that came to mind that was the text that came to mind and it now started to make sense that oh when god said the younger will rule over the older it's not necessary that it was at this current point in their life, in fact, it's not even necessary that it's in their own generation that he's the generation of Jacob and Esau, that Jacob will rule over Esau. And in some chapter, we kept reading over and over and over again that Esau is Edom. So the interpretation of that statement God gave or that prophecy God gave to Rebecca was just simply that the nation of Israel will rule over the nation of Edom. Don't forget, Israel is Jacob and Edom is Esau. I'm like, oh, oh, now, now this, this, this makes sense. Not like it didn't make any sense before, but now I'm getting to understand the picture. 
and getting to understand the picture so now i'm no longer looking for a chapter where i will see oh Esau will come and bow down to jacob and say oh god be or bar me and all of that no none of that none of that we go down to verse uh chapter 28 chapter 28 is a continuation of uh chapter 27 and what can we learn from chapter 28 what extra gem do we have to learn from chapter 28 now there was something special about jacob's vow after having that vision of angels ascending and descending upon a ladder let's take a note of this vow then jacob vowed saying if god will be with me and keep me in the way that i am going and give me bread to eat one and clothing to put on so that i come back to my father's house in peace then the lord shall be my god this is genesis chapter 28 from verse 20 to 21 now this this vow is very interesting now we must note how jacob left his father's house he left his father's house with only a staff like kobe lunch bag or take away kobe school bag or anything he left only with his staff i that's his mind at least when <laughs> abraham was living here and he left with his family and his wife right and his servants and his livestock he did but now we see jacob living with only a staff now he vows to god that if you will bring me back as i am going if as i am going you provide my food you provide my clothing you provide where i'll lay my head then i will serve you now it's very interesting It is very interesting. Jacob Jacob believed God and God did not fail him. In this text we will read that Jacob obeyed his father and mother. Now despite the fact that Rebekah liked Jacob and uh, Isaac the father liked Esau because of his game, we are reading or we have read that Jacob obeyed his father and he obeyed his mother. Isn't there a commandment in the Bible that says honor your father and your mother so that your days will be long? He kept the commandment and he trusted in God. May God keep us to the end of this story. to the end to the last book of revelation in matthew we will read where god asks a question do you think i don't know that you need food do you think that i don't know i don't know that you need uh, clothing do you think i don't know that i don't know that you need a roof over your head and paraphrase in the book of matthew before you ask all these things i know and now is there evidence that god will provide Are there people who didn't have and God actually provided? Yes. Yes, we are studying the life of Jacob. 
who is an example, who is a witness, who is a testimony that God will actually do that which he has promised. God provided food for Jacob. He gave him clothes. He gave him riches even beyond what he asked for. God is good. God is good. Now we move to Genesis chapter 29. Jacob meets Rachel. Loving pardon Haram. Now we 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 dwelt much on this chapter. In fact, make, making references to to it quite a number of times. So we God's grace wouldn't waste any much time. But I want you to think about something. Do you think the record of the conversation Jacob had with those shepherds was just put in the Bible? Ah, let's just add the story because we want to tell the story. Do you, do you think that was, that was the reason? Or do you think it was given to us as a lesson? As a lesson that we should learn. Now, the story I'm referring to, the conversation I'm referring to, was when he met those headsmen who were feeding their flock, who were feeding their sheep. Now, after asking them if they knew any man called Laban and all of that, they said yes, they knew. And they gave him all the information he needed. He then started to advise that, oh, the sun is out. You shouldn't, it's about time for you to give this flock some water. Now, that showed diligence. That showed skill. Not diligence this time. That showed skill. He had an understanding of how to tend for flock. Now, for him to give that advice, it would mean that they were doing something that they were not uh, they were they were not doing something they ought to have been doing. And he couldn't look away from it. He was willing to help. He was a man who was not going to see sin and not speak. Now, don't take me wrong. I'm not saying what they were doing was sinful. But he was not willing to see people not doing things properly the best way and not make a comment. Now, what kind of Christian are you? Jacob wasn't harsh. Read that chapter again. You would see the manner of approach he used in speaking with these men. Oh, he first greeted them. Hello, brethren. And they said, hi, boss. And he started having conversations. These are lessons for us. These are essential lessons. God is teaching us the traits we ought to possess. So that when people see us, they will know that the Lord is with this person. Moving on to chapter 30. We have the, well, not so pleasant record of the family of Jacob. So many ups, so many downs. And with this story, we see the, the issues of polygamy. We see the challenges, we see the trials that comes with polygamy. 
And I hope we learn. I hope we learn that we would not make the mistakes these men have made. Genesis chapter 31, Jacob flees from Laban. Laban very well understood the wrong of polygamy. He very well understood that. And he knew that it was because of the strife, the envy, because of the jealousy of his two daughters that he gave to Jacob, that he now further went to get married to their servants. And now he came to him and said, don't take any more wife other than these wives. When I read that, I was like, what audacity? How dare you say that? You caused this polygamy thing. You put it upon the man in the first place. And now you are coming to him to tell him that, oh, he shouldn't take any more wives. Come on. Come on. I bet dress. Dress. Live here. You know? That was really something to note. It was really something to note. Let's go to chapter 32. The wrestle with God. Yes. I'm glad. You know, I'm very excited how the Bible didn't let us assume who we wrestled with. God by himself said, You have wrestled with God and men and have prevailed. Therefore, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Praise God. Now we go to chapter 32. Thank God we are moving faster than I thought. Esau comes to meet Jacob. Now the 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 interesting thing I was able to take note of in chapter 32 was how God appeared to Laban and warned him that this man that you are going to meet do not do anything. <laughs> do not do anything. But on the other hand, we didn't read, read anywhere that God appeared to Esau and told him, don't do anything. No, 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 no. 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 Esau, the, the, the prophecy has been fulfilled. The prophecy the father declared to the son Esau was already fulfilled. It was already fulfilled. That prophecy of by the time, uh, uh, how did, what's his name, how did uh, Isaac pronounce that promise, I mean, that prophecy, was it pronounced? Yes, I'll get back to that, but it's very interesting to note that the Lord did not appear to him to warn him that, oh, don't touch this man, do not harm my son, and all of that. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Now, we go to chapter 33. Uh, sorry, chapter 33 is where Jacob and Esau met. Now we go to chapter 34. The dinner incident. The dinner incident. Oh. We must be careful of the people we choose to keep company with. As this popular quote, birds of the same feather, they do flock together. Dinner overstepped a boundary by going out to meet with the daughters of Shechem and because these people did not fear God she got raped and the sad incidents of the sons of Jacob all brought grief to his heart 
you know, it just happened and mercy. Chapter 35 is the story of Jacob returning to Bethel where he left. Now, God, God had fulfilled. Now, God has done his part of the vow which he made when he had that vision. Now is his time to prayerfully do that which he has used his own mouth to vow to do. When he was at Bethel, when he had that vision, he said, God, if you take me out, you give me food, you give me clothes, and you bring me back here in peace, then I will serve you. And yes, here we are in Genesis chapter 35. We see the return of Jacob to the land of Bethel, where he made that vow. In this chapter, okay, it also records the death of Rachel and the death of the nurse, Deborah. Faithful Deborah. You know, it's interesting that just from nowhere, we are hearing of Deborah. She must have been a good man for God not to overlook her name in the Bible. Chapter 36, the family of Esau. This is where God told us time and time again that Esau is Edom. Esau is Edom. Genesis chapter 37, we have Joseph the dreamer. Joseph that dreams of greatness. You know, on the side, this is me talking. I'm like, after noticing that your brothers don't really like you, I would say they don't really like you, they don't like you. Like, they, they, it is just, it's just life. People, people don't like righteousness. Wherever there is a righteous person, strife will always come, hatred will always come, right? And he saw that they don't really like you, but he kept going back to them to tell them his dreams over and over and over again. And like, oh my, my. Chapter 6 records the story of Judah and Tamar. This is where we learned the lesson of dress. Now, dress, dress, the, the benefits of dress goes beyond who you identify yourself with, the righteous or the unrighteous, who you portray to be in the eye of the public, a decent person or a harlot, as this case was, it now has its own health benefits. Proper dressing. I've come to learn that the way we dress determines how the circulation of blood in our body will be. For, 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 for the blood to properly be circulated in our bodies, we must cover up the body properly, most especially the leg. The leg is the farthest from the heart where the blood is being pumped. So we must actually be covered very well, very well, properly. Properly. And let's not confuse. If, if, if you are a man, wear trousers. If you are a woman, wear gown. Come on, I, I'm not... 
I'm not in this space of watching uh, agenda fluidity. I'm no, no, I'm not doing that. Let the guys wear their trousers and let the women wear their gown. Wear their gown, but please wear some trousers under that gown so that you would also enjoy that benefit men enjoy when their bodies are covered properly to promote proper circulation yes we go to genesis chapter 40 genesis chapter 40 the prisoner's dreams the prisoner's dreams you know there is one lesson that is very special about the story of jacob the story of abraham and the story of joseph even the story of isaac we see that for the sake of these men others enjoyed blessings from god for the sake of joseph the home the household of potiphar was blessed for joseph's sake he enjoyed that blessing now we, we have been learning this lesson over and over and over and over again god has given us everything we need to know and now we are now reading that we are not only expected to be obedient to god but we should pick persons who are desirous to do the will of god so that we would actually enjoy the merits of these blessings. Oh, because these were righteous people in the midst of unrighteous people, it's not a go-ahead to go and have unrighteous people so that they will be blessed. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That is not what these blessings are teaching us. And the Bible has clearly showed us in the story of Dina, who was a righteous person going to mix with the unrighteous person and the devil used a man called Shechem to defile her. So, obviously not. This is not a go-ahead to think you are a savior or a redeemer to the unrighteous. No. But this is a lesson to mix with righteous people. Birds of the same feathers. Uh, uh, <laughs> Birds of the same feathers, they flock together. If you are righteous, then you seek righteous company. Seek righteous company for they matter. They actually and very, they matter a lot. Today, we will be ending today's podcast with a poem from a beloved brother. His name is Oluwatobi Fawemi. And the title of this poem is Four Books for Living. Since our poem ends with the story of a son who had proper training from his father then then this poem is the right poem for us to listen to enjoy four books for leaving When a baby is born, he knows not how to read alphabets, letters, nor words. His first book to be read must be nature's green boards, that early may be etched in his mind the beauty of nature's God. 
his parents must be his first teachers to whom he should be bound by strong cords, especially to mother, to whom he was bound by an umbilical cord for nine moons. From the cradle, teach him to help mother and father. Be not in a hurry to send him to school so soon, lest he loses his innocent boon. Let his playground be the garden as long as you're with him. Bear him in your arms and speak to him of Christ's lovely charms, of the different tints and hues in every flower, that they were made just for him by the great sower. Tell him that God is a lover of the beautiful, and be sure to speak of thorns too and why they be, lest he might be led to think that life is easy. Let him know himself physically, mentally, and spiritually, that his body is God's masterpiece and that his heart is the anomaly. Speak of his greatest enemy, himself, and instruct him how daily to wage hard wars against this adamant foe. As he grows and reason is enlisted, fervidly all the more as it must have been by figures from nature's store, by the range of eight to 10, cause him to read from the sacred page from the second book and evermore. Trace as a puzzle the greatest story ever told of the one who gave his life for his dying soul. Tell him of the patriarchs, they are the true heroes. Speak of Noah and the ark. Speak of Moses, the great leader who led Israel with a shepherd's rod. Lose not the charm of the heavenly word and speak with enthusiasm. Speak not of characters of marble except to condemn for they be only fiction and Gnostic distortions. Otherwise, his life would be untrue. Teach him to love books only in proportion as he earnestly seeks to practice the true and noble, that all volumes must be subject to the Bible. Teach him to use his hands, for every man is useless who knows not how, that no man ever died from temperate manual labor. Tell him his Lord was a carpenter, and that he could be his apprentice. He must shun idleness as a disease and must never be at ease but strive. Emphasize the need for application and by leading his mind instill in him the love for work. Teach him to walk the soil that no man must eat who doesn't toil and that he may know from whence he is from. For useful work is one of his lesson books. Teach him the art of healing and the art of cooking, for it isn't demeaning to be in the kitchen, neither is it for women only. Life for all is an untried path, but none need be foolish. Teach him that he need not be beaten once to be twice shy, that life's experiences, the successes of true men and the failures of men may instruct him along the way. For every Life serves as a beacon of warning or blessing. His past life he must yearly probe, not to condemn himself, but to reprove and rise above his failures by looking to Jesus. These are the four books for life, without which no man can truly live. Would parents arise and their children teach, and godly teachers do youth to reach.